but it's also about Joe and Sasquatch. It's like a love song from Joe to Sasquatch. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, and my friend, as always, is Aaron. Before we get into today's episode, just wanted to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Thousand Island Records. You are currently listening to the song Black Mare by Edmonton band Wolfric. It's off of their upcoming release titled Clones, which is out on February 25th. You can pre-order the record on colored vinyl and CD, as well as some pretty great merch designs, t-shirts and stuff, over at ThousandIslandRecords.com. In this episode, I had the opportunity to talk with Jake Woodruff of the uh, band Dream Tigers. He plays guitar and sings in this band, but also plays guitar in Defeater, as a bit of a side note, a band you might be familiar with. Listen in as we discuss three of his favorite songs off of the brand new Dream Tigers album, Elapsis, as well as three songs that influenced the songwriting on the album. This conversation uh, bobs and weaves its way through bands like Propagandi and Rancid, as well as the songwriting of artists like Elliot Smith and Dave Bazan, to name a few. It was really an enjoyable conversation, and I hope uh, you enjoy it too. Before we get into it, of course, just want to drop some social media stuff. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GrowingPunkPod. You'll find links to my Twitter and Instagram, as well as Aaron's Twitter and Instagram there uh, on each of those. You can also join our Patreon for just two bucks a month. You get early access to episodes and we've started a new series of episodes that we call Radio Radio which is uh, basically uh, an episode focused on music. It's a bunch of songs that you may or may not have heard with some breaks in between, all sorts of fun. Uh, We're going to be releasing a few of those. You may have seen them pop up on our podcast feed. We will be releasing some of them on our podcast feed, but then uh, we'll also be releasing some that are Patreon exclusive. So for just two bucks a month, you can get some extra uh, extra music exploration, I suppose you could say, in your daily life. You can find the links for those things also in our social media uh, bios and stuff like that. And wherever you're listening to the show, tell your friends about it, uh, share it, rate it, review it on iTunes, uh, or I should say Apple Podcasts. That'll help the show grow there as well. So, you know, all that housekeeping stuff, we'll get it out of the way and let's move on. This is my conversation with Jake Woodruff, Discovering Dream Tigers. Why don't we start at the very beginning? <laughs> when I say the very beginning, I mean like what got you in? Do you remember the first band or album or whatever that kind of introduced you to the whole world of punk and hardcore? Yes, definitely. Um, ah, damn, one pops into one pops popped into mind. I'd say like the one that really sent me over the edge was uh, "And Out Come the Wolves" by Rancid. 
Oh, okay, right on, yeah. I think I bought that for like a dollar from this kid I was on a soccer team with. <laughs> That's awesome. Was he just like playing it at games or whatever? And you're, or why, wait, wait, why was he selling it? He was kind of over it. Okay. okay. A neighborhood kid. Um, and like, yeah, me and a couple of the other people in the neighborhood were like getting into punk. Um, but yeah, he was just kind of like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of a neat album. I guess in the sense because like obviously the the artwork itself I'm sure you would have figured out at some point in time is paying homage to you know like Minor Threat obviously and then uh, just from there like just the different influences and sounds that Rancid pull in it's kind of a kind of a unique album to to get your foot in the door yeah well and it's such like a classic album too like I always think of that as like our generation's uh, London Calling for sure yeah you know 18 or 19 songs so catchy but also just like so raw Mm -hmm. well i think like a a pretty big obvious comparison like for rancid was the clash right like just being that band that's kind of continuing that uh punk with the the, i guess ska reggae vibes without yeah dub without being a full-on ska band as it were right so that's pretty cool um yeah Oper- of operation ivy and suicide machines were pretty close in there too okay I right don't on. remember which one was first so yeah were you, were you always kind of into like are you still into you know kind of the upbeat guitars and stuff like that obviously yeah. that that doesn't come through so much in your music but <laughs> oh um but yeah um yeah, not so much current bands, but I'll still go back. And I listened to Destruction by Definition like a month ago, and right. just, this thing is so awesome. Yeah, there's a a band if you're if you're still feeling that that they just released a record. Oh no, we're now I'm not going to find it. Oh, there we go. Uh, they just released a record. I think from when we're recording this, I want to say it was just this past Friday. Um, okay. But they're a band called I think it's pronounced Dissident, and the album's called The War on Two Fronts. And it's pretty chaotic. Like it's the so the band name is spelled. I say I think it's dissident because the band name is spelled D I S S I D E N T E. But uh, the artwork's phenomenal. The war on two fronts, and it's really like a. I was reading. I think I don't know if it was an interview with them or maybe it was just like a little write up on Brooklyn Vegan. I think they were talking about the record, and uh, they were mentioning how they're this band that really has a lot of ska influences, but they're kind of like. They're not, they don't have horns. So then ska bands say they're too punk really to play with them a lot of times. And so they're finding themselves playing a lot more with like straight up punk bands. But, uh, it's not, it's not very often for myself where like a, a quote unquote ska band really grabs my attention these days, but, uh, that one really did. So if you're still into that whole sound, definitely check it out. But, um, okay. Let's talk about like dream tiger. Uh, Okay. Before we get to dream tigers, what yeah. was what kind of made you want to pick up an instrument and start playing and writing music in the first place? Oh man. Um my my dad plays guitar. Okay, yeah. So I grew up playing his he's got this really nice guild acoustic that he bought when he was in college. Mm-hmm. At least has. Um yeah, so he was always playing songs, you know, while we were growing up, you know, like as yeah. Um so I started messing around on it you know, when I was old enough to, you know, reach around the guitar right. 
actually hold it. Um, and yeah, then, uh, sometime when I was like seven or eight, he, he's of my parents. He's the one that's like really into music. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sat me down one Saturday morning after breakfast. And I remember it super cl- clearly. He, uh, he played dark side of the moon for me at like right. ear splitting volumes <laughs> pointing out like all the different production elements that, yeah, like, yeah. um, you're like, Oh, this was like truck tires on pavement or <laughs> you know, this is, they recorded all these different clocks for this. Um, and I was just blown away. And I, that was kind of like what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, obviously like him playing guitar, was a big influence and yeah, he actually also, I'm left-handed. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. He, he's right-handed and I grew up playing right-handed guitar. Yeah. Because he was like, you're never going to be able to like find a guitar to play or like, you'll have so much trouble, you know, just like jamming with people. Yeah. So that was also a really crucial like nudge. So me. like when you say like, were you playing right hand, like Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix sort of thing, like upside down, or you just learned oh, no. to play right-handed? Learned to play right-handed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Handed, but it might be advantageous to play right-handed guitar because you do all the quote hard stuff with your left hand anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, I've never really sat down to think about that because you're right. Like, like I play guitar some myself and, uh, yeah, it is all your your left hand is definitely the more intricate stuff that you've got to do. So that coordination probably comes in pretty handy. Yeah, it's not. And there's actually, I'm in a a lot of the people I play with are also left handed people that play right handed guitar. Wild. Okay, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so Dark Side of the Moon. That that just there are a couple of stories that kind of popped up. Like first and foremost, Dark Side of the Moon was like one of the first records, first albums that my parents listened to and loved that I was like, nice. Oh, this is, this is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Like I, I can get into this. Um, and then, uh, you were talking about, uh, you know, like playing your dad's acoustic guitar. My parents, neither one of them are musical. So the fact that I started playing guitar and playing in bands and whatever was kind of a little bit of an, an anomaly in that sense. Like, um, mm-hmm. like they always liked music, but they were never, you know, I didn't grow up in a home where it was like music was everything sort of thing. Right. Like, um, but my friends, I remember this, my friend, his parents had a guitar. I don't think they played. I think they just, it was sitting around the house sort of thing. And my first memory with a guitar was myself and him. And we grabbed a block of cheese and grated the cheese on the guitar strings. (laughs) Like why we did it. I don't know. We were probably, I want to say seven or eight years old at the time. And we're just like, cool. <laughs> so, uh, they, they, I mean, obviously they were probably a little annoyed that there's now all this food all over the guitar, but they weren't like, what? That's my precious thing or whatever. So, uh, it's kind of funny, but <laughs> wild grading cheese on guitars. So what about dream tigers? How, cause like, obviously you're, you play in, is it, is it just um, Defeater that you're also in? Or are you in multiple bands besides Defeater and Dream Tigers? Like, how did oh, this project come together? I guess other bands. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I play with a bunch of different projects, kind of like officially and unofficially. But yeah. uh, so Dream Tigers started when me and my friend Andy started writing songs together. 
um, the other like guitarist vocalist. Um, and originally when we started playing, um, <laughs> we were, it was like around the time D Louse and the Comatorium came out. Oh, sick. So, okay. Yeah. So it was like a little, it was, a, there were a lot more parts. It was a lot more, you know, it, it was like more in that direction. But then eventually we decided we want to do like a way more straight ahead band mm-hmm. that, um, relied really heavily on harmonized vocals right um so we did and we got some like some dudes from town to play like um drums and bass and we had a keyboard player at the beginning too um and we were just looking around for like local places to record and um I had done most of my recording at that point with my friend Greg Thomas, who I think was on this. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and his studio was a little further away. Um, we were up in like north of Boston. Okay. And um, I just, uh, I was playing this hardcore band called Ambitions. Mm. And um, a few of the other dudes from that had recorded with this dude, Jay, um, that had a studio a lot closer to us and we we're like oh let's see if this will work and it turns out that was jay from defeater oh, and yeah. um so like we did the demo there and then like a couple months after that um defeater's guitar player quit and i ended up filling in and then joining so dream tigers came before you being in defeater yeah yeah gotcha. so okay yeah then like that's kind of I answered that question the way people usually ask it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's kind of why Dream Tigers has is like still a new band to a lot of people because sure. kind of right after that defeater ended up being really busy. Um, yeah. And so Dream Tigers has been the band that like we get to play shows when Defeater's not on tour. Um, but it's always been like a super important band to me. And like that kind of made it also in a way, like just more of a, of a band that me and Andy got to just like experiment and like, right. Kind of whatever we wanted with no pressure. And then eventually Joe from defeater joined on drums, which was super sick. Like right before we did our first full length, Mm -hmm. um, and then we got Phil from Caspian to play bass. And now my partner, Aisha, plays violin um, and does vocals too. Hmm. So it's a pretty like, yeah, we haven't been able to do a lot recently. Yeah. I mean, I guess like no one really has. But sure, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm really excited about this new record. And yeah, it's, I've, I mean, having, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but having the opportunity to, uh, to listen to it, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about some of these songs because you touch on a number of, uh, I guess, elements that I've always loved in music, but haven't necessarily heard them kind of come together. Like they've always been in separate worlds, but, um, at least from, you know, the stuff I've listened to. And so, your ability to kind of bring those together, I think, is uh, it's pretty unique and it's pretty awesome. We'll get into it, 
but first I wanted to talk about, I got you to share uh, a couple or a few, I guess, influential songs for you or artists or however we want to go about this. But um, the first song I want to talk about was Elliot Smith, King's Crossing. Elliot Smith is such 
I mean, I, I love Elliot Smith. He was he was an artist. I want to say I probably got more into after he passed away. Uh, and obviously, this song comes from his 2004 album from a basement on the hill, which came out after he passed away. Um, yeah. And bit of an anecdote, side note thing. Literally last night, I was at a thrift store and I picked up a copy of his biography. I was like, oh, just going through the books, and I'm like flipping through. And uh, here's this Elliot Smith book. I was like, this is awesome because I knew we were going to talk about him a little bit tonight. I did not get a chance to read the book overnight, but uh, but uh, I did. I thought that was pretty fitting that it was there. Um, and I mean, this song itself is incredibly haunting, both in you know typical Elliot Smith lyrics and vocal delivery. Uh, and then knowing, obviously, that he passed away before this album was released. But um, do you remember like when you yourself first heard Elliot Smith and his music? Yeah, man. Um, I was pretty similar to you where like I was vaguely aware of him. And then when he died, most of my friends were like super, you know, like really them. And I was like, oh, damn, like um, I got to check this dude out. And yeah, then like that album came out like soon after and I love the like haunting droney atmospheric elements. I've always like, and that that's one of the things that like made it onto the Dream Tigers record. Um, not you know like a, as I go back and listen to like the Elliott Smith, like and the Elliott Smith song in that whole record, um, it obviously isn't sonically that similar. Right. To- yeah stuff but i've like been really been really intrigued in music where like i don't know so many genres have so many like tropes of you know like the band does this or like the artist does this and then like the vocals sound this way and then like this is how things crescendo but i i love the idea of like two things fighting against each other sonically mm-hmm. um and that album is such a good example of that. There's like this haunting undercurrent that's like a little out of control. Right. A lot of the time. Yeah. So um, why, yeah. oh, I was going to say, why did you specifically pick this song? Is it just, it it, it presents Dude, that, that the most or? Uh, well, sonically, but also lyrically. That song, I have this like running list in my head. I haven't actually like made a playlist of it, of it but um, I have this running list in my head of songs, like perfect songs songs I wouldn't change anything. And that's definitely on the list. Mm. Um, Like the lyrics are so haunting and like almost every line is surprising. Right. Um, It has the best like drum entrance of any song, (laughs) (laughs) like any song of that, uh, you know, like style um just it's like isn't it like in the middle of the second verse it's just like oh and then the drummer started playing like you know right yeah i'd have to go back and and listen to it again i didn't take a specific note on that but um Um, i like it i like it (laughs) i think he actually played drums on that record too but uh yeah um and i guess like one of the reasons i picked it while we were going to talk about elapsis in the dream tigers album is it's one of the Lyrically, it's one of the songs that comes to mind when I think about um, the narrative introducing, like, like moving backwards in time. 
Yeah. And I think the first time I heard that, the like, this is the place where time reverses and dead men talk to all the pretty nurses. It like something clicked with me. And I, I thought that that was like a, a theme that was worth expanding on and like mm. apply, applying to other, other things. Yeah. Yeah. No, Elliot Smith is, was however you want to word it. Uh, so, so incredible. I love on the back of, of the book, I noticed that it said he owes his, he owed as much to the Beatles as he did punk rock, which I was like, that's so fitting. Like obviously his sound, the Elliot Smith sound isn't really, it definitely owes a lot more to the Beatles than punk rock, but um, just, Ooh, I guess. I don't know, man. Oh, go on. I want to hear. <laughs> Sorry. I've been like a little sensitive about this. Recently. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like so many, like punk rock is such, so, so many things. And this might just be, be from, coming from being like a punk and hardcore kid that yeah. was always, <laughs> was always playing in punk and hardcore bands, but was always like listening to a lot weirder stuff and like getting made fun of for that. Like, like there is definitely like a punk sound obviously, but like the underlying, I don't know. It's really, really tricky to talk about like punk ethics or whatever, but like the, like there's no limits to experimentation, right? you know, like circumventing things. And I think like just picking up an instrument and doing what you can with it and making impactful songs, like that's, yeah. That's punk. Well, and I think, I think that's kind of where I was going in like the, the overall sound of his music, I think owes a lot more to the Beatles. But as you said, like the ethics and, you know, more, I, I want to, I want to say like his, I guess his heart behind his music and how he does it maybe, or did it, maybe that's more of an effective term, but like for sure owes a lot of that. Just like you said, picking it up and getting it done sort of like, cause like Elliot Smith as beautiful as his voice was obviously, you know, he didn't really have a voice that was like, Oh, I'm going to hear this all over the radio. Right. And that's what was so, yeah. I think that's what was so kind of, amazing about it at the same point i people probably could have said the same thing about like kurt cobain like he didn't really have a voice that you'd expect to hear all over the radio yet lo and behold they did pretty incredible things and when people talk about punk like i think a lot of times they just mean direct yeah 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 like he just got right like a direct you know like emotional connection yeah um as opposed to like yeah the it's so weird because i mean People would have said that about the Beatles when they came out too. Like right. that's why people were freaking out about it. But they were in hindsight a lot more about like you know the the show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh the next song that you you brought up was the Weaker Than's plea from a cat named Virtute. <laughs> you ever want to play I'm tired of this piece of string you sleep as much as I do now and you don't eat much of anything I don't know who you're talking to 
I made a search through every room But all I found was dust that moved In shadows of the afternoon And listen About those bitter songs you sing They're not helping anything They won't make you strong So we should open up the house Invite the tabby two doors down You could ask your sister if She doesn't bring her basset hound Ask the things you shouldn't miss Tape hiss in the modern man The Cold War and card catalogs To come and join us if they can For curly drinks and parlor games We'll pass around the easy life Absolutely no regrets And later maybe you could try To let your losses dangle off The sharp edge of a century Talk about the weather glad you brought up the weaker thens <laughs> because john k sampson is by far uh like i mean I, I would hands down say he's my favorite canadian songwriter but he's also like just one of my all-time favorite songwriters he's I, yeah. so so incredible I, like the fact that i think this song is a great example of how he's an incredible storyteller but at the same point he's just like so charming in this song <laughs> yeah um I think he would, him or Liz Powell would be my favorite Canadian songwriter. Okay, yeah. Um, and I almost picked a Land of Talk song just because, like, her whole catalog is so influential on this band, right. too. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, in this song, he's so charming. And what, the thing that I love about this song is that it's one of those songs that you don't, you don't know what it's about really until you're right. halfway through the first verse. Sure, yeah. So then it's like a tongue-in-cheek metaphor, but it also still works in the way that you initially thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Six Rivers is kind of like that in, in some ways. Right but, on. Um, so speaking of Canadian songwriters, one thing that like really, I guess, drove home John Kay's songwriting was, I think I heard him... So I don't know if you're familiar with a band from Canada called the Tragically Hip. No, they're like this. They're yeah. okay. So they're a really interesting band. They've come up once or twice before with different people on the show. But so up in Canada, they are like quite successful. They mm-hmm. were. I mean, like their their lead singer he passed away from a brain tumor a few years ago now. But like to the point where so successful to the point where. They uh, they did this like one last cross Canada tour when he knew he only had so much time left, sort of thing. And the final show of that tour, that was going to be, you know, their final show, obviously, was broadcast on the CBC up here, which is like the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. It's like the yeah. the one channel that for sure everybody across the country gets, right? So they 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 uh, broadcast this concert, commercial free. It was during the middle of i don't remember which summer olympics but it was like a prime time spot no commercials they just cut away from the olympics like this is what we're doing and it was like canada stood still for that show right for that concert now growing up i was never i wasn't really a big fan of the band like i knew so many songs because they were all over the radio up here and everyone talked about them but i was always like ah stylistically not necessarily my thing but i remember hearing john k sampson whether I heard it or read it, uh, talking about how Gord Downey, the lead singer of the Tragically Hip, the songwriter in the band, made him feel like it was okay to write about where he was from. You know, because like you can think about all these songs that are about like California, New York City, and you know, like these these kind of like almost um, mythical places for some people, you know, who maybe have never really been there, lived there, whatever, right? Like, yeah. Whereas he's like writing about John K. Sampson is writing about small town Manitoba. And he's like, <laughs> who's going to give a shit about small town Manitoba, right? But he does, he's such an incredible songwriter that a song like Cruise Night, for instance, which is, you know, a John K. like solo song, oh, is oh, just, <laughs> yeah, like I can. I have, I have a tattoo of the reconstruction site artwork. Yeah. And yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. Yeah. So. And so, like, so the song Cruise Night. Um, I can sit there listening to that song and immediately I am like vividly taken back to my child. I didn't grow up in Manitoba, but I grew up in small town, Alberta, which is yep. prairies, small town, right? Like, so like I can immediately, I'm, I'm just there. And so if, if you do want to check out, I'm saying all this because you're, we're talking about Canadian songwriters. If you want to do a little bit of, you know, a deep dive into, you know, that, that one band that is collectively referred to as Canada's band with an incredible songwriter, you should definitely check out. Uh, some of the stuff by the tragically hip just go on whether it's spotify or apple music whatever you've got and if you just go through like their top songs the guy will write about you know small town ontario he'll write about like canadian history and you know just like all sorts of great stuff that he's just such a great storyteller which john k sampson carries a lot of that on in his songwriting nice yeah i'll check it out yeah um 
so what what makes you i guess going back to the weaker then so what makes you do you remember when you first heard them man not really because i remember i remember being vaguely underwhelmed because they were introduced yeah. to me as hey this is this person from propaganda's new right band. yeah <laughs> all right and i was all like ready to shred and yeah. i was like I, I don't know what's going on here really and <laughs> I was thinking about this today, actually, because I knew that uh, we were going to be doing this. And mm. I think sometime in college, it whatever, in my iTunes, I wish I could remember what band was right before them in my iTunes. Um, but I think I would listen to that band while I was studying. Right. And, and the Weaker Thens would just come on afterwards. Yeah. Um, and it was it was Reconstruction Site. Um mm. I think it was like a year or two after that album came out and um, yeah, eventually like probably six months or a year later it came on and I was just like, Oh my God, I love this. Yeah. This band is incredible. Yeah. From then on, it was like unstoppable. Like, yeah. I mean the whole, this is the bass player from propaganda thing is like, it's, it's so misleading though. Right. Cause like, yeah. It, like why did anyone ever say that? <laughs> yeah. It is funny to go back and listen to those propaganda songs. So that John wrote and, and sings lead on because they do sound so different from, you know, the rest of the stuff that propaganda was putting out at that time, but it's still different from the weaker ends. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, but what made you choose this oh. song specifically? Um, well, I was just going to say, like, I'll, I'll go on record as saying like both projects are better being distinct. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yep. I would agree. Um, like I love that early propaganda stuff that John K. Sampson wrote, but yeah, later stuff's amazing. Um, <laughs> yes, it really is. It really, really is. Are you uh sorry to side note? No, it's good. Favorite record of, of propaganda. Oh, propaganda. Um, I mean, the one I've listened to the most for sure would be Today's Empires. Uh, but I do have to say, uh, is it, well, Potemkin City Limits has. That's, oh. dude, that's mine just because of that first song. Okay. I was going to say Potemkin is, what's, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, the song. There is a song I absolutely love on there. Um, hold on. I just want to make sure I, I name drop it correctly. <laughs> oh, bringer of greater things. Uh, I absolutely love that song for, for whatever reason. Um, a speculative fiction is really good too, though. Like it's, a, I kind of bounce around. There was one time I was tweeting. I, I don't know if you've listened to, um, uh, there's a podcast called unscripted moments and it's, they're going through the propaganda catalog song by song. Okay. Uh, it is like, it's done so well. Uh, but it's not a light listen. I mean, propaganda is a band is not a light listen, right? So you kind of know that coming into it, but that podcast is done so incredibly well. The depth that they go in on the songs, I'm pretty sure at this point, they've actually had every member of the band on some, some of them multiple times to talk about songs, nice. uh, but it, it's, it's really awesome. So I, I would a hundred percent, uh, recommend if you have podcast time, as it were checking that show out, um, nice unscripted moments but then the other that i like oh uh i was gonna say supporting cast because that has yeah that's got dear coach's corner on it which that song yeah is incredible actually this is a bit of a 
loop back on, on our own podcast is a while ago, um, last year sometime, we had Russ Rankin of Good Riddance on. Uh-huh. And he sh- he was actually on, we were doing a series on record labels at the time. So he was sharing his five favorite releases from Fat Records. And mm-hmm. so on that episode, you know, he had mentioned um, Propaganda was one of his picks, supporting cast. And he said, uh, Dear Coach's Corner is his like all time, he says it's probably the best punk rock song in the history, just like how well it's written and, and all. Anyways, it's, so that's pretty oh, cool. But um I- yeah, I, as far as like, if I had to pick the one I've listened to the most, it would be Today's Empires, just because I bought that one when it came out, and you know, it just it it stuck with me. But uh, but yeah, there it it kind of changes depending on my mood. Yeah, I a lot of people, yeah, less talk, more rock. Like I get mm-hmm. weird for not picking that one, but I don't know. Right, really like Potemkin City Limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the stuff for me. It's funny because. The stuff before today's empire, I can, and this is probably blasphemous. I'm not a huge uh, propaganda fan. I like them, but I mean they're they're a band that has like, like their their hardcore fans are hardcore, right? Like they are sold out on that band completely, which is cool. Um, but I like don't so much get into the stuff that came before today's empires. Really, like I can listen to some of it, and then some of it I'm just like, okay. I mean, I guess that's probably the same for me going forward with some of their albums too it's just yeah i was gonna say there's that sweet spot though yeah i say and maybe it's just the fact that you know like the recording quality went up and so i i find it easier to listen to you know like <laughs> if that if that's what it boils down to but um regardless they are they're a fantastic band but uh yeah so did you did you say uh why you picked specifically uh this song by the weaker thens i can't remember we, uh... we sidetracked <laughs> I think kind of just the, I love that um, it's a song that's not what you think, it, not about what you think it's sure. about. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. You did mention that. Um, yeah. And it's just uh, that metaphor works on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just catchy, good. Like that. I think that's the song from that record that hooked me the, the most, the quickest. Sure. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, that's a, perfect album it's, I think. But, it is so good yeah um and i knew we were going to talk, be talking about six rivers so like <laughs> all right okay yeah no that makes sense i thought you were gonna say and i knew you're a canadian so because i was gonna say the next pick you went another canadian uh, yeah constantine's time can be overcome
Give me a 
I think I know in hearing you talk specifically about Elliot Smith, uh, maybe why you picked this specific song. But here's some here's a, a bit of an anecdote. Maybe is that uh, well, first this comes off their album Kensington Heights. But if I'm being honest, Constantines are a band that I've heard here and there. Uh, never really taken the time to listen to, but until you mentioned it, I don't think I had any idea they were a Canadian band. <laughs> like you had mentioned in one of our messages back and forth, you're like something about plenty of Canadian, you know, songs okay. or, or bands or whatever. And yeah, I was like, when I looked it up, I was like, no shit, they're from Ontario. Look at that. Yeah. Like had no clue, but uh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. They were, they were a slow burn for me, but yeah. kind of like the week of then it's just a few years later. Um, when it clicked, it like really clicked. Um, mm. and, you know, I guess we could talk about like the lyric, they, they do like a similar lyrical approach that definitely influenced the lyrics on elapsis mm-hmm. can be overcome. But, um, the biggest influence Constantine's has had on dream tigers is like sonically and tonally. Sure. Um, like, their guitars just always sound perfect. <laughs> yeah. That album. Yeah. Um, like the clean tones are great. The distortion is like an overdrive is like warm and everything you need it to be. And everything always sounds like somebody's playing. Like you're just in the room with a person playing an instrument. Right. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't sound. Um too polished or anything this this song oh go ahead finish real quick i I do have a comment on the song yes like every all the tones on that record are so good yeah um i was gonna say this song really gives me the vibes of someone sitting in an easy chair uh, with just a lamp on and you know it's like a whiskey in hand like just like sipping a whiskey while listening to this song like it's just it's it's so nice, <laughs> you know, and I love his just like how soulful the vocals get, especially mm-hmm. with like the kind of bah, like the shots or whatever you want to call them, like the starts and stops with the song and how he accents it vocally. Like it's all yeah, it's it's just such a nice song to listen to. So yeah. Constantine's are definitely a band after this that I'm going to be like, OK, I'm going to start with Kensington Heights and just like give it a listen. Yeah, they're every album's great. That's the most um they put out a single in 2020 hmm. that was awesome. Um but they they get like progressively rougher as you right. go back. Um yeah, Oh yeah. The like way that I've heard them described to people that haven't um heard the band before is like if Neil Young sang for Fugazi interesting okay okay super obviously like high praise but i think yeah <laughs> I think they earn it yeah. um, that's a while like now now i really have to go listen to them because that is like i mentioned earlier that you guys kind of bring together some sounds that i've grown to love in sort of different worlds of music um and never really seen brought together so <laughs> neil young singing for fugazi it's just like it creates an image in my mind that now i'm like okay let's see if constantine's actually do pull that off or like whatever that means <laughs> totally i think um 
Yeah, Bri Webb has a lot of really good solo records too. Mm-hmm. And he he sang, he's the male vocal on Feist Metals. Okay. He actually co-wrote some of that stuff. And I know he's done some other producing stuff. I want to say maybe with the weather station. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's definitely been around Toronto. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I think the other thing I really like about that song um maybe on like a more serious like lyrical level is that's one of the i don't know there aren't too many love songs that you hear that you're like oh this person's talking about like really like getting to know somebody right like like two humans making like a soul connection not Mm. just i don't know friday night date night (laughs) yeah or Sunday night cruise night in John K. Sampson's case. <laughs> He's been through some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this, this song is, it's beautiful. And, and I, it's funny cause I didn't really, so like how, how I typically do this is when I get someone to send songs, obviously I just put them in a playlist and then I listen to them. Right. Um, and a lot of times it just kind of becomes what I'm listening to in the background or so like sitting down to actually, kind of take some notes or whatever on songs was the first time I really sat down and listened to this song. And Mm -hmm. it definitely reminded me of some stuff that I probably would have been listening to at that time, you know, 2008, somewhere in there. Um, But like I said, for whatever reason, I just never given them a listen, but absolutely Mm -hmm. headphones on, enjoyed it, enjoyed the heck out of it earlier today. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Let's get into, uh, into the songs, the Dream Tigers songs. All right. Uh, we're going to start. I, I want, Yeah, you mentioned it, this song at one point. We're going to start with Six Rivers.
the opening track on the brand new album, Elapsis. Um, from the outset of this song, I just love how, like, when, when the guitars kind of come in, like, they're just so, like, they just hit so hard. I don't know how to, how to explain it in any other way, but, um, yeah. and then, you know, it'd be easy. I, I, cause my, my first impression with the band, when I, you know, checked out, I don't know, it might've been this song or I see the future. It, it was one of like the singles that kind of came out before the record. Um, yeah when I first heard it, my, my kind of initial reaction was, oh, there's a lot of like sort of post-rock stuff going on here. And and maybe a lot of that came from saying, because I, I think in the, like the description it said, featuring members of Defeater and then listed Caspian, right? So, Phil. Like, yeah. And so maybe I was listening kind of like through that lens a little bit going like, okay. Uh, and then when the vocals come in, I'm like, wait a second. Because anytime I've gotten in anything with like post-rock world, with like the massive guitars, the like kind of like, um, I mean, I can't, there's got to be a better word, but the word that comes to mind is like epic guitars, right? There are parts where you build in songs where it just like gets huge, right? Uh, but typically, vocally in those songs, it's either they just start screaming mm-hmm. or most of the time there are no vocals, right? And then I'm always like, I just want that something else. And then, what's that? Either way, it's buried. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, when you guys bring vocals in, these are the two worlds that I'm kind of like talking about where, you know, that sort of um, post-rock, post-hardcore, shoegaze sort of world that, you know, maybe you're living in at times musically, the vocals and then the song beneath it give me a lot more of like those singer-songwriter sort of textures. Um, you you mentioned earlier about the the, you know, the harmonizing vocals, that being a big thing. And just being able to sit back, like while these songs are massive, I could also imagine sitting around and like, you know, you are, you know, like playing it on acoustic guitar and singing it. Like, it's just, there's a, there is a song there that's not entirely reliant on big guitars, if that makes sense. That's super spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I'm, I'm glad that that came through because um, the band started, with me and Andy writing on acoustics and then yeah. like translating, like arranging for a full band and sometime. So six rivers is the first song that this current lineup wrote all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also, it's also the first song we wrote since there's, I think we're playing. I don't know. It was some, some show we were practicing for and we were like, what if we just played because the band used to be a little more, for lack of a better word, like indie rock sounding. Right. Yeah. Not to use another word that doesn't actually mean anything like punk rock. But, <laughs> but, but like, uh, it's like a little more delicate. And it was our break from our like bigger, louder, like Defeater and Caspian bands. Yeah. You know? um, but we were like, what if we just kind of split the difference and just didn't? Because that while that was super fun and it was good to like be like way more in the melodic realm, it always felt a little restrict, like unnaturally restrained. And then like, we just played through it. We were like played through an older song, but like louder and it was so much more fun. Right. Um, so that's kind of how we like came to the current sound. We weren't like, we want to be this epic big band with, melodic vocals there somewhere we were like 
this is just a different way to interpret these more like singer songwriter oriented songs. Yeah. I've been, I've been waiting for the record to come out because I've got, I've got a couple friends who I'm like, they're absolutely going to like love this record for those elements. Right. Like just knowing, you know, the kind of music that they typically listen to. Um, mm -hmm. I just know that they'll, they'll really kind of get into it. So I've been waiting for it to come out patiently. Um, so what made you pick this song as one of the three to sh sort of showcase dream tigers as a band or that you wanted to talk about um i think it's the, the easiest gateway into into the band or and into the record like that's why it's the first song on the record um and like once you asked me to do three other songs i was like oh i can talk about the like metaphor of the lyrics right the way that like plea from a cat name for juj is excuse me yeah uh, yeah so that that was kind of and then also man this this is already a very thematic conversation because the, uh, <laughs> the guitar on that song is like you know nobody can touch david gilmore and um uh i have this bad thing where i blank on names when i need them who's the other pink floyd guitarist uh oh no <laughs> i mean i got a computer in front of me but i mean david Gil roger waters but he played yeah, bass. Yeah. I get yeah. it more, more like David Gilmore though. Um, yeah. Those like really evocative leads. Yeah. That are like easy to play the same notes as him, but it's not easy to make it sound like right. that. Yeah. Like, especially the solo of this was like, I don't know. We don't really have guitar solos that often or like mm. leads. Um, but this was like, you know, try to write, you know, David Gilmore walking through the desert, tripping on ass, something, <laughs> something like a little more blown out and like wild. Yeah. Um, like, you mentioned, you mentioned, I would do though. So, you know, yeah. You mentioned briefly the, uh, the lyrics because at this time there's no lyrics online. So I like trying to figure out just by listening to it. What did, did you want to okay. talk about thematically yeah. what the song's about? Um, so the way Dream Tigers usually writes lyrics is we write the melody and the structure of the song first, and then whatever scratch lyrics are there, we either use those and then build the rest of the song around it if there's like a good idea mm -hmm. to pursue or like, you know, change the, a couple lines to like something that rhymes with that. So you still get the same like sonic effect. Right. Yeah. And I don't remember the scratch lyrics to this song, but um, it was something. It's it was like starting to be a love song. Um, and Joe, in particular, was really excited about this, um, like this song, and just like the no nonsense way. It's like you know, drum intro, everything yeah. all at once. Um, yeah. So, and it, Joe is also like really into Sasquatch and Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah. And three years of touring in Defeater together, we've like, he got me into it too. Right. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if like plea from a cat named Virtuse, this was about like, this is a love song, but it's, and it's about like pain and heartache and like, the pursuit of 
you know, mystery, but it's also about Joe and Sasquatch. It's like a <laughs> song from Joe to Sasquatch. <laughs> oh but man. Six Rivers is Six Rivers State Forest or National Forest in California. Okay. It's the second highest um number of Bigfoot or Sasquatch sightings. All right. Yeah. Do you know where the, the highest is? Yeah, it was somewhere more where you'd think it would be, like <laughs> the Seattle, but it just wasn't right. as catchy of a name. Yeah, yeah. Although, it, is it that song where he does, is that where he said, like, he's saying uh, Seattle wasn't for you, or there's a line, something like that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, oh, I love it. Now, now I'm going to go, I'm just going to listen to that song with an entirely different angle now. Uh, which is incredible. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next song, which was I See the Future. What would it be to not forget The things that haven't happened yet we Find a simple way to choose The things we wouldn't have to lose Last night I thought I saw you Simple way to choose 
things we wouldn't have to lose This one, I okay. So just a, a little bit of, I guess, like a, a look ahead where the where this episode's going because this is track three, and then track four is the next song we're going to talk about. And I do love how these kind of go together in a sense because this one it lulls you in at the beginning a little bit, like with that that guitar line. Uh, I don't know if it's you playing it, but it's just like this kind of like that when we wrote this song it was super early and I think we had like five or six songs for the record. And I think we wrote 12 and then cut it down to eight. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're like tossing ideas out and you're like, Oh, this might work. Okay. That might go somewhere. You know, you spend like an hour on that. This one, Andy was like, I have this riff and he played it once. And we we're like, yep, yep, that's, that's on the record. Oh so, my God. So this is what I love about the song because it starts with that riff and then yeah. there's a few things that go on that I really love because as the song builds and it really builds through the whole song and then by the end of the song, it's just like I was, I was saying earlier, it's massive. But I love that, A, vocally it stays the same through the whole thing. Like I don't – you don't – it feels like you could get to a point where very easily as a vocalist you could like jump that octave or whatever and go up and just like start belting. But instead it's kept – 
constant. And what works so well and what I love is that at the same time, that guitar riff from the beginning, if I'm not mistaken, is there, if not the whole time, most of the song. It just kind of slowly gets buried by more and more guitars and elements. And it's when you're sitting there listening to it and I can hear it panned, I think it's, I want to say it's hard panned to the right maybe, and it just keeps going. It's it's amazing. It's so awesome. Like um, this might've been, I don't I'm trying to think if, if this was the first song I heard either, or it was one of these, one of these two that um, just absolutely convinced me. I'm like, yep. And like, that's why I reached out initially on Instagram. I think my first message was you make beautiful music End message, <laughs> yeah. which led to a, a, a fun little conversation back and forth. But um, yeah. yeah, this, this song, it's been a, it's not every day that I hear a song and I go, shoot, I want to listen to that again. And I want to confirm in what I'm, what I'm, you know, is what I'm thinking actually going on here. So like I said, with that guitar part and just with everything building, it's, uh, it's really awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, man. End message. <laughs> um, so what, yeah. Uh, yeah, what made you pick this song? Well, I think, um, yeah, I guess like that's something we do a lot. Like the, the, you're right. That riff continues through the whole song more or less. There's like a couple, uh, a couple of variations. Um, and that's something we do kind of a lot. Like, um, I feel like, especially with this band, like the repetition builds tension and like being able to break it at the right moment is nice sometimes it just continues through the whole whole song this song i think um it's my favorite i think it's my favorite on the record because of like the arc the sonic arc of it and the lyric and like how that gels with the lyrical content Mm -hmm. um it's one of like that, the first two lines, like, what would it be to not forget the things that haven't happened yet? Um, just as a writer, personally, that that was one of my, I think that's my favorite, like, opening line um, that I've ever written. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really wanted it to be the first song on the record and kind of bookend it with the two, like, kind of more epic six minute yeah like yeah six minute songs but the rest of the band was like that's that's a really bad idea <laughs> i don't know like i i could i could see it like it would be a, i could get it in one sense like even not even just like lyrically but the way that that song kind of the tension that it builds and maybe that would be a bad idea to just have this song that's like constantly like building this tension. But um, when it kind of releases at the end, you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, uh, I guess I, I think I'm ready for this, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, it's call my dad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's done so well. So lyrically um, what was kind of the, the inspiration here? Man, I don't know. Um, 
when I start talking about the lyrical, the way like the whole lyrical theme of this record came together, um, I start to sound like a crazy person because it's all kind of cyclical. Right. Um, and just as a side note, um, I'm super glad that you've heard like a bunch of disparate elements of things that um, like things that in like different kinds of music that you love, like being brought together in this band. Um, I just have like kind of a tough time talking about that because it's so like, this is the band that I'm not like, Oh, let's do a, this kind of band. This is the band that I'm just like, let's make music yeah so it's like kind of difficult to talk about sometimes just like <laughs> to, to parse it yeah you know like um and i think this is this is the song though that like even more than the title track um introduces the more or less the concept of the record in a, in a straightforward way of like what if Sorry, let me let me pause for a second and go back. Like so, where it's like a whatever, like a indie rock record or an emo record or however you want to like label it. Yeah, all these genres are like heavily reliant on nostalgia, and like those like those can be really powerful feelings. Like there's so many weaker than songs, you know, about like moving out of an apartment or like you know like the front steps that you saw during a breakup kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and we just wanted to put a slightly different twist on it or, um, and use that, that same like emotion of um, nostalgia, like hearkening to the past, but like be like play with time a little more and like step outside and like, look at what we get attached to um, from like a greater distance, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, like all of our human like drama and um, the like oppressive structures that we live under and just see them from like a less immediate distance like from a greater distance so that we can kind of see them for what they are. Mm -hmm. Like, and it, like, it'd be nice, you know, with like tragedy. Um, that's kind of a, like a couple of times we look at um, like death and loss um, and just explore the question of like, if we, could have had some more time with that person or like um, like that last night I thought I saw you there is about like seeing someone thinking you saw someone that had died mm. or um, so there's that side of the record of like just a slight a different twist on like a very like common uh, like emo or indie rock theme yeah yeah you know like like personal theme but then on the other side we get into some more like like abstract or I guess like examining like um, 
yeah, just oppressive structures that we live with every day, but looking at them over time and like seeing how absurd it is hmm. that exists because like, you know, there's no like land ownership and um, redlining and like those kind of things are, are fucking absurd to begin with. But then like when you look at it over the course of like a couple hundred years and like just in like um, the way that like this group of individuals is like keeping something from this group of individuals for no good, like it looks extra absurd in that way. And I thought that that was like a really productive way to look at it. Mm. Man. So, um, that was a lot. So <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, try Cause, the, cause you kind of re, you were talking about a couple of different songs in there, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I see the being, being the song that kind of is the gateway to all sure, that over. Theme. Yeah. So, Talk briefly, maybe, maybe not briefly, I don't know, but about the video for this song, because I didn't, it's, it's funny because um, I didn't, I didn't see it until tonight uh, and I watched it and I was like, okay, so what is, what's going on in this video? Cause it's a bit of a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is me and Bobby. Uh, from cloakroom the guy the person that made the this video we did a q like not a q and a but he we did like an instagram live about his process um which if you want more info is available right yeah. um, but yeah so bobby read all the lyrics to the record and there's like a companion um, book of prose poetry yeah. that comes with it too. Um, if you, if, yeah, if you spend a couple extra bucks at the, with the fine folks at skeletal lightning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's like, that goes a long way towards a, like expanding on the themes I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bobby, read both of those things and then kind of made his own third narrative there. Cause there's also one of the other things that, um, the record touches on and this comes out in the artwork a lot too, are themes of like industrialization and exploitation compared to like the natural world, the natural yeah. world and, um, like humans, humans, oppression and exploitation of each other, but also of nature and like the disharmony. And so Bobby took that and made a narrative, um, like animated short about like, um, like post-industrial humans. Right. Like the, trees have taken over yeah that that was that was the theme i was kind of picking up and that was what i was trying to figure out um if that if that's what actually was going on because it's still a bit of a wild ride yeah he definitely didn't he goes into it more in that instagram live video yeah um in in ways that like even like i didn't know about i just trusted him to make something 
wild that, and I didn't want to tell him, give him too much direction. I was like, here's the themes, like, go for it. I trust you. Um, Yeah. And he right down to like the color scheme of the, of the video is the same as the artwork for the record, but (laughs) because the video takes place in like a, like where humans have are not are no longer the dominant species and trees are um the video color scheme is like the color scheme of the record but lighter and more alive and more like okay yeah sunshine so like yeah less dark and oppressive i guess have you uh have you listened to the album Ghost City by Delta Sleep? No, I did. I actually just heard that band for the first time like a month ago. Yeah. Um, so they're so they just released a record, Easter Island. This I think that was the name of it, this past year, but uh, <laughs> Ghost City came out. I want to say maybe 2018, something like that. Uh, but it, it seems to share a lot thematically from kind of what you're you're describing here. So if you're if you're into kind of like the mathy math rock with some post hardcore and post rock in there i guess you could say i don't know whatever however you categorize music um <laughs> there's a lot of counting that goes on with that band i think um but yeah yeah go listen to ghost city it's a fantastic album the opener itself is like the first time i heard it uh i was i was blown away because it's like we were talking about you know songs building that one's got a great build in it and i think it's actually called not that this is a throwback to Pink Floyd at all, but um, kind of same era uh, Dire Straits throwback because the song is called Sultans of Ping, uh, <laughs> I think is what they call it. So, uh, yeah, doesn't sound anything like Dire Straits, though. But let's get into uh, the last song that you brought from the, from the new album. It's called For Sally. The canisters first And then I heard your voice Through the tubes You complained They
and mm-hmm. it's track four off of the album. Now, what I was mentioning before is I think like everything that goes on in I see I see the future with like musically specifically the way that song is built. We were talking kind of about that tension that's constantly building. I think a lot of that is driven by that guitar riff that just is kind of repeating for most of the song in the background while everything just like collapses kind of on top of it. Mm -hmm. This song feels just like when it comes in, there's just this like simple guitar riff uh, and it just feels like you can breathe again. If that makes sense, like take a step back. Um, And so that like in, immediately that's sort of what I feel in listening to this song. And then there is uh there is this, like when the song sort of fully comes in, there's this simple guitar riff that's being played. And maybe, maybe it's a, an apt comparison. You were talking about like the David Gilmore sort of stuff earlier, where it's a really like pretty simple lead guitar riff that just sort of feels right. <laughs> if that makes sense, like in listening in the beginning or in like when it gets bigger this the- is yeah once the band fully comes in like later in the song i don't know if it's like two-thirds of the way through the song or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah so it's just like it's this it's this piece of music that really feels like as the song's going when that part happens you're like yeah no that that actually absolutely made sense that's where the song needed to go like just one of those vibes you know when it happens and, it, and that happens in music a lot though where you're just like uh-huh yep Yep. No, I have, you know, like it, it doesn't feel like a part that's, you just did something to do something. It doesn't feel like a part that's doing, you know, too much for the sake of being complicated. It just really sounds like a part that's like, this is what the song needs. And then the way after, shortly after that, the song kind of dissolves into a dream is kind of how I worded it. Just like, you know, I'm assuming it's just like an EQ sort of thing that's going on and it all kind of, disappears <laughs> i don't know i don't know how to how to better phrase yeah. it but so many things all right i got a couple things yeah uh, so just to go go at it chronologically i guess like um this was definitely two things that were like ideas that we took from from a basement on it on the hill uh or on a hill mm-hmm. uh, the drone that goes through the whole song yeah like crescendos is like something that is on, I mean, it's on so many records, but um, stylistically kind of like that one. And then um, bringing the drums in at kind of an arbitrary place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the beginning of the second verse, I think technically. Yeah. Makes a little more sense. Um, But yeah, we wanted to bring it in, not at a super like, uh what's the word um expected place right um and then i thought i had four things but the uh <laughs> the last thing was yeah we when we were um oh i guess so like my guitar does the same exact thing the whole time okay. and i have a melody over it um and it sounded to me like like a David Bazan ish. Oh, sick! Like it, Damn, you should have picked yeah. a page with a line song. Shit, I almost did. Uh, <laughs> would have been priests and paramedics. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> damn that! Like control is one of my 
I mean, we were talking. Okay, shit. So, <laughs> gonna go back yeah. on myself. A little. I, I made a comment earlier about John K. Sampson being one of my all-time favorite songwriters. Dave Bazan is my all-time favorite songwriter, hands down. And that album, Control. Like, if anyone's ever like, give me a list of your top five albums yeah. of all time. It is on there for multiple reasons. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's the top. Man, I love Pedro Lyon and I love Dave Zan. I my one thing with him is that is like a strength and a weakness. Like um one of the things I love about control is it's like basically the like sonic setup of a hardcore record, like a typical right. hardcore record where you're like, all right, that's the guitar, that's the other guitar tone. Yeah. go <laughs> like 10 songs later you've got a record yeah um i can't write like that yeah yeah yeah. It's him so much for making such an awesome record yeah um, and because i i love that album um <laughs> that's he's the reason that i play the like reverend that i've played in defeater for so oh, long amazing yeah um, on the control 10-year anniversary tour he was playing one of those and I had no idea what it was. And my yeah. friend was like, oh yeah, that's so I bought the same I was looking for a guitar at the time, bought the yeah. same guitar. Um uh, but uh that new album, which I'm guessing you've heard. Yeah, Havasu. Yeah. Yeah. Um dude, like for the same like because he kind of perfectly meshed like the sonic exploration of his solo albums with control. Yeah. Like, I that might be my, I don't know. It's gonna take a while to figure out, like, shake yeah. it off. And he has so many good records, but like, that might be my favorite one. And I love it when an artist puts out an album so later in their career that like can stack up against the other stuff. But anyway, oh, I was gonna say real quick before we move on from Pedro the Lion. Um, so you you mentioned sonically on Control. I had heard. I don't know if this is true, but I had heard that when that record was being put together, he had said to, you know, the producer or whoever he was working with, he said, I just yeah. want the drums from Pinkerton on this record. So like the massive drum sound that you hear on that is, I guess, inspired fully by Pinkerton. Oh, um, like pretty dry too. I love yeah. it. Oh yeah. yeah. It's that's like when I say there's numerous reasons why that album gets like near the top of my list, if not the top of my list is because like sonically it's, one of my favorite for like a straight up just kind of like more raw like indie rock emo whatever you want to call it record sonically yeah. it's one of my favorite sounding records easily and then just his storytelling from start to finish on that record so good but i did want to say real quick because like so phoenix i'm assuming you listen to phoenix mm -hmm. yeah so like what confused me at the beginning of havasu i was like why like the song don't want to move i'm like what a weird opener like it's so slow and just like what's happening and then when i listened back to phoenix i realized that at the end of leaving the valley he introduces this guitar riff that then he starts uh he starts havasu like don't want to move that song is built around that guitar riff and it's That's brilliant he, and i think he kind of slows it down a little bit from leaving the valley like it becomes a little less aggressive and so yep. like if you i feel like there's a good chance i haven't done this yet but if you listen to those albums back to back like say you threw them on a computer and seamlessly put them together they would flow right into each other and it's just like yeah, that's awesome that I, dude I, is I, telling a story yeah yeah that's great <laughs>
So anyway, <laughs> let's go back to for Sally. <laughs> um, yeah. So when we were putting the song together, I was like, I've got this song, I've got le- uh, melody, but no lyrics. Um, and the, the scratch, like that song was called two chords because I just played the same yeah. two chords, yeah. like plottingly, deliberately, kind of obnoxiously the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were putting it, putting it together. We were like, Oh, it'd be sick if like the drums came in here. Um, we didn't, we weren't writing with that drone happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Andy was like, I got, we we're like, I think it needs to, you know, fall off like it does and then come in like real, you know, like it does. And Andy was like, I, I got that, you know, like, and so he had that lead that, yeah, yeah. you're saying like, just fit. Like we didn't talk about it afterwards. There was no like discussion besides like, yes, that's, yep. that <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's it. The song. And then, and, um, Oh, this is the other thing I was going to talk about too. Cool. So we tracked the full band portion of that album with our friend, Will Benoit, who, um, has this band Psalm, but he is a longtime Caspian friend that's like filled in for them a couple times. Um, he did that band Constance. Okay. Um, that toured with uh, what's the comeback? It's sad or like Andrew's Sights and Sounds. Okay. Yeah. Um, Constance and Sights and Sounds did a like Euro tour together, I think. Um, but th- he has this awesome solar powered studio in Connecticut that like we'd all been to a bunch. Um, so we did the full band stuff there and then tracked the vocals and the violin and everything else our own or like on our own. And then Will Yip mixed and mastered it. Um, yeah. And knocked it out of the park, but Mm -hmm. his, like he definitely kicked the whole album up a notch sonically and like smoothed out everything. And he just, like we could do a whole other podcast with like talking about that dude's production style and like how a hundred percent. Yeah. Like <clears throat> he's just so musical with everything. Right. It's like, it's frustrating talking to an engineer that's just an engineer and being like, I think this needs to go louder and this needs to go down and that. And they just do it. Like, I think you wanted this many decibels down and you know, they like do mechanically what you asked for, but right, yeah, have an idea of like, what the song's supposed to sound like musically, but Will Yip, you can be like, instead of that, I would, I think my vision for this mix was like this. <clears throat> and he's just like, I got it. And like, we did the Defeater, last Defeater record with him too. And I don't think, so now we've done, you know, probably 20 something songs together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever asked him for more than like, three mix revisions right that's awesome (laughs) you know like yeah um but with this one i was like at the end i'm like so if you listen closely joe's doing this like insane drum stuff like he's just completely losing the plot and all of everything else is happening together we were just like looking at each other and playing down beats yeah but regularly so everything falls apart. <clears throat> and I was like, Will, 
I think I want it to sound like like the song got swallowed. Like mm, that's great. I know, yeah, I know Joe's like doing some really flashy drum stuff, but that's like not what needs. Like that's not what the song needs right now. Like we did that so that that would be like sprinkled in the ether, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Not not so it was like drum solo time. Yeah. Um, Dream Tigers isn't really like a solo band. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he he came back with that like the first first mix. I'm just like, oh damn, dude. Like, I like yeah. I like it. Be, you describing it as sounding like the song has been swallowed because that's 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 an accurate description. Um, or yeah, like, like it just reminds me of it's been lost to a dream. I don't know. What's, what's the song, you know, like lyrically, where does the inspiration come for this song? Because, (laughs) uh, this is one of the more, one of the more straight ahead ones. Um, this song's about leaving for tour and my grandmother dying. Oh, okay. Um, like the, my grandmother died the first night of a Euro tour. Mm. Um, and it, it was after she'd been sick for a while, like, uh, not a super long time, but she had a stroke in the towards the end of the tour that I was on right before that. Mm-hmm. And then um, me and Aisha moved back up to, we're moving back up to Massachusetts. So it worked out right. good. We were able to see her a lot. Like in the, it was like three and a half weeks between those two tours. And she was doing a lot better. Like I thought I left and I was like, I'll, you know, I'll see you when you get back. Um, and she was starting to get her speech back and, um, yeah uh and then she just didn't Mm. and that was also something that had happened to joe like a few months before that so i felt like it was a good i don't know just something you know the experience that we'd all had that yeah yeah well thanks for sharing that man (laughs) um yeah and thanks for thanks for taking the time to to talk about the band and to talk about music even songs that weren't on the list initially. <laughs> um, kind of to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that was a downer. <laughs> yeah, there were more songs like that on the record. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Uh, and that's probably pretty evident if you go through like the um, like the prose poems that accompany so it. So I did have a quick question about that because you said, so is that... Um, with the vinyl that's for sale on Bandcamp, or is that specifically like where where can we find that if it's still available by the time this comes yeah, out? No, it is still available. Um, I think the deluxe package, like mm-hmm. both of those together, I think that might be sold out. But you can right. still buy the record and then gotcha or copies of that um, from Skeletal Lightning, right? Right, or from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet man. Well, the the record is fantastic uh i'm so glad to uh i don't even remember where the name came up why like uh maybe it was emailed to me maybe that's how i initially checked it out i'm not even sure but uh it's it's incredible um i absolutely love it and uh yeah like i said thanks for taking the time to to hang out and share some stories behind some songs and talk about some other songs that you didn't write (laughs) yeah no thanks for reaching out man it's been really good